Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Sorry Meadows Podcast. We're talking about TV shows today, our favourite ones, and uh, why we like them. It's going to be a spoiler-free discussion, ish. because, uh, ish, by spoiler-free, I mean we're probably going to talk lots of spoilers, guys. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, are we? Are you guys rolling for your shows? Yeah, the, I've got, I've got my top here? ten in front of me. Uh, yeah, you, you... We said like two TV shows, and it, it it's very hard to narrow them down. So I've got a list of twenty that I'd happily be able to talk about. Okay. Off the well, top I don't know your head. lists. So what I'm going to do is say a number, and then you're going say to a number. Talk. What I will say yeah. is, don't say one because it's community, and if people want to hear our thoughts on community, we've got a whole podcast. Uh, <laughs> I've taken community off my list, uh, so people can go listen okay. to an intermediate stage of podcast and Anthony for our shots on that show. And I wouldn't say nine, Jack, because it's one of the two shows that you do have. So I guess pick right. pick any number between two to twelve that's not nine. <laughs> yeah, right, you got we'll go that. With you first, then, Mike. <laughs> we'll go with four, so I don't forget your rules. Oh God. <laughs> okay, I promise everyone this is actually four, and I'm not just rigging it because this seems to be a running gag that this podcast has. But guess what? We're talking about <laughs> Doctor Who for a bit. <laughs> Oh, yes. for goodness sake. <laughs> I deliberately <laughs> left Doctor Who off my list so we wouldn't have to talk about it. I could go for another one if we want so <laughs> we talk about it enough. But I'm more than happy to, to talk about Doctor Who. Have we done a Doctor Who episode nope. yet? No. We recorded a Doctor Who podcast and decided not to release it. <laughs> to be honest, we should just chop up parts of like where you've spoke about Doctor Who and like just stitch it together. Uh, yeah, that would take a long time. If, if all the fans okay. want to hear my thoughts on... Okay, hang on. Right. Let, let's, let, let, let's just... Have a think about this. So, Doctor Who, although although you can debate against this, it is ultimately two entities at this point. So, why would you recommend either one to watch? Uh, let's start with New Who. I like both. New Who. I've, I want to when I when I pitched this episode to you guys, I said let's let's go with each show. We'll pitch what the the concept is to get people hooked, and then we'll talk about why we like it. But I feel like it's only one that doesn't know the concept of Doctor Who. He's an alien. They're an alien that when they die, the they change their face so that the show can go on forever and they become a new actor with a new personality and they can travel anywhere in time and space. So it's basically a show where you can do anything. I prefer New Who to Classic Who for a few reasons. I think the storytelling on the whole is much stronger. I think it handles characters and their arcs much stronger than Classic Who. It's also much less mm. offensive. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I really like it too. It's just every season of Doctor Who has terrible episodes in it. Even the good, well, except season four, that's all good. But all the other seasons, about how good, have terrible episodes. But what's good about Doctor Who is it's sort of it's better than the sum of its parts, I think, because it's such a great concept for a show. And generally, they've got an actor in the lead role so good that no matter how bad the episode is, it's keeping you afloat. Because you can get through Matt Smith, who's the 11th Doctor's last season, season 7, where there are zero good episodes. And it's very watchable, just because they cast Matt Smith so right. And it's one of the good things Mm. about the show, is that there's 13 pretty distinct different characters who all still feel like the same character. And you can 
jump into any of their eras, and no matter how bad the episode is, that Doctor is, apart from two, usually pretty, usually good enough that they're keeping you watching. Um, but yeah, New Who's the one I'd recommend more, just because I think it's more like friendly to jump into, because it's they're, they're much easier stories to digest. They're better told. They look better. The the characters are better. I think I wouldn't recommend anyone watching Classic Who until they're already a fan of New Who. I think as well with Doctor Who, um, if you don't like one Doctor. You can come back later or, you know, watch previous iterations of Doctor Who because it's fairly different. Yeah. Like, mm. Peter Capaldi and Matt Smith were so different in terms of their acting style yeah. and how they portrayed that character. It's not just the Doctor that changes. It's the whole era changes with them. The whole energy of it gets completely different. Well, different writers, different producers. It can, even though in New Who, most showrunners will do two Doctors each... Even the two Doctors that each one has, the energy of their era is completely different. Like, the storytelling you find in the five different eras of New Who is, is completely different. Like, um, Eccleston's is clearly about, very much focused on telling stories about corporate politics and stuff. Then Tenants is clearly heavily driven on sort of the, the character and the romance. Matt Smith's, I think, went a lot larger in scale and told some really like, and dark, big, and and darker. darker. Yeah, and told some really big epic stories. I think Peter Capaldi's narrowed it down and went much smaller in scale again and decided to tell some really small scale character stories. And then even when they went big in scale, it was more done to service the characters. And then Jodie's era made the really bold choice of just being terrible instead. It's <laughs> um... <laughs> not the first time the show's made that no, choice. Because they did it in Classic Who as well. Classic Who I would recommend. I think Classic Who's harder to get into because the stories are all really long. Because it's not... I don't know if you've ever seen any Classic Doctor Who, Jack. But it's not like now where you get one 40-minute story and occasionally it's a two-parter. The old episodes were 25-minute episodes and the stories were made up of... Could be anywhere from two to like 12 episodes. Usually four and six. So they take longer to watch... They're a lot heavier and have a lot less going on. They're a lot more dialogue-focused. And I think they're a lot meaner in spirit as well. The word I describe classic who is daunting. Because, I mean, we're quite lucky now with BritBox. They're all in one place. But for a long time, the only means you get these is through the DVD sales or the VHSs. Anything there are 26 seasons worth all of which, how, God knows how many episodes each season, how many stories each season. It's a lot of money to spend on a TV show, if you think about it. And that was the one of the reasons why I didn't watch a lot of them for a long time. You simply can't afford to buy all 26 seasons worth of stuff, can you? It, it's, it's really hard. Oh, or if you can, well, lucky you, because that's a lot of money. Um, also, I think it's important to realise that if you look where the show is now, and you pointed this out, um, Mike, Mike is that where, if you compare like New Who to Classic Who Classic Who is currently on what Pertwee's last season and Baker's first yeah which and is so there's like a there's a good there's another like there's a, like another 12 season no is it 12 seasons yeah of like of of Classic Who more than there is New Who right now and that but that like, was that was that was a declining quality as well so thing that makes Classic Who quite easy to recommend though as well is that with classic who it was very rare to find a big story arc 
So with Classic Who, you mm-hmm. can much easier say to someone, oh, just go watch this story. Or you can just pick a story that you like the looks of the concept of, you like the look of the doctor of, the monster of. You know, it's hard to like the look of a monster in Classic Who because they all look stupid. In a good way, in a way I love. <laughs> but they all look stupid. I love the low-budget energy. The closest thing I can think to an arc in Doctor Who in Classic Who is probably the Master's story. Or the key to time. But Yeah. But like New Who, you kind of you kinda of gotta watch it all, or at least from the start of a showrunner's era. So if you jumped into Wedding of River Song is a random story, you'd be like, Okay, who's that? What's going on? Who's over there? Why is Charles Dickens on BBC Breakfast? Why is there a pterodactyl? <laughs> but like Classic Who, you can just jump into a story and, and watch it. So like Classic Who, you don't have to watch it all, just watch what you're interested in or watch a story that people say is good and you're going to have a good time. Or just watch all of it if you're brave enough. But yeah, I love those. Oh. <laughs> oh, You've got a lot of spare time. I think I just ate a whole jalapeno. Oh, <laughs> I, wasn't, I was not expecting that. The, the other thing that's good about Classic Doctor as well is that they really love the concept of oh. anywhere in time and space. Probably more so than the modern show does. Moffat, I think, did. Just as long as it's but wobbly. Russell T. Davies and Chris Chibnall are very much like, oh, anywhere in time and space, do you mean modern day Earth or space stations? Whereas Stephen Moffat, who did Matt Smith and Peter Capaldi's eras and Classic Who, you could be anywhere, like literally any episode. You could be on a random new fresh alien planet or even Pertwee season, which is pretty much all on Earth because he's stranded. You're in a different place every episode, so they really that there's a lot of variety there. Like, and if you don't care about the historical stuff, there's plenty of space for you. If you want to see the historical stuff, yeah. there's plenty of that. Right, I know. Let's not dwell too much on Doctor Who because I know this is not the last time we will speak about Doctor Who. <laughs> in fact, we, we have to yeah, at so some we'll point do a Doctor Who properly. So, okay, we're we'll moving on. on. We're we'll going to move on. on to Jack now. Jack, Jack, you have two options, and I'm holding in my hand a 50p coin. Oh. So it's going to be a heads or tails. So heads will be Game of Thrones, tails will be other, the other show. One. Black sails. So oh, it's a heads. It's Game of Thrones. Oh, now this is a show. Oh, I know, this is a show that we could all go on for hours. We'll let you go first because yeah. But I'll explain Game of Thrones to anyone who's living under a rock and hasn't heard of it. Boobs and basically it's. Season one is a pornography. <laughs> well, it's it's sort of like it's really a bad long... pornography. If, if it's pornography, yeah, it's uninteresting pornography. You know, <laughs> With one of the free stuff you get online. <laughs> anyway, I digress. Um, it's sort of like a uh, a big long political um, scenario where you have lots of factions that are all vying for power. There's uh, there's a an Iron Throne, which there is a current, uh, we'll say at the start of the show, a king. And um, everyone is sort of trying to like manipulate and fight and do various things to get in power and to get the throne. It's called Game of Thrones. Whoa. Jack, Jack, everyone's seen Game of Thrones. You don't have to describe it to the population. Who hasn't seen Game of Thrones? That's why I said whoever's living (laughs) under a rock, this is for you. But that's one of the things that was so impressive about Game of Thrones, wasn't it? That, like, while it was on, everyone was talking about it. It's one of those few shows that, like, when a new episode came out, you could go and talk to anyone 
and discussed with them what they thought of the new episode of Game of Thrones. And everyone had a favourite character. Everyone had a team they were rooting for. Everyone had theories of where they wanted it to go, and none of them happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like, even if depending on who you ask, they dogged the final season, you can't deny how good those first seven are. Just yeah, no, such good TV. Exactly. And I, I, I'd happily put Game of Thrones as maybe in my. It, it's up there, maybe my top two with Doctor Who. My number nine. TV shows. Just because I think the first four seasons, well, two to four in particular, are perfect. Uh, I, I can't think of a single fault for the first four seasons. That Like, like just uh, the way that the one continuous story, how well that was handled. I love, Tyri- I love characters like Tyrion. I think Theon going from good to bad to good to bad is brilliant some really great tragic stories stuff with rob stuff with john in the north and you got daenerys kicking ass out east it's just like it all seemed to like it was all so separate then and yeah i'm not going to see a fault it's a not fault the show but i do think it struggled to bring it all together because there was so much yeah. to bring together but i'm still very i was still quite satisfied with the last season so what well, i do think quite impressive and you touched on it there recent you touched on it a bit as well jack where you said there's loads of different factions buying and it's all scheming is that there's so much going on in the show because there's the main seven houses and then there's all the side factions competing with them as well and they've all got their own plans they've all got their own schemes there's characters that move between the plot lines of all of them and i'd say until season seven never felt messy at all it all felt really focused balancing all of it i think it's because the pacing of the show was perfect and it was a deliberately slow show stuff would take entire seasons to happen if you remember back to season four the attack on the wall from the from the wildlings yeah that took a whole season and a half for them to get to the wall and then get to the battle means that when you Um, get the battles that's just satisfying payoff you think about jorah stuff you know the the message from Tywin was sent out like at the start of season like at the end of season three and it took until the end like midway through season four for her to get the message and then to then for him to be exiled. You know, it's just like a long it took a long time for things to happen in it. I felt that the closer we got to the end, the more it rushed certain things and final two seasons final two seasons would have been fine if they were ten episodes instead of the shortened. The strength of the show was its intrigue and sort of where things would lead to and set up so well in season one is, you know, we were very well aware that no one was safe, anything could happen. And that's what made the show so interesting is because you're not like, this person's a main character, they're safe, they've got plot armor. Absolutely, they do not have plot armor. Anyone can die. Um, Well, apart from the last few seasons. Until, yeah, yeah, until... (laughs) Yeah, the last two seasons, no one important dies. <laughs> but like, but like until then, like you, j- like any week, you well, could have thought anyone would die. The last season, they start, you know, just massacring. Yeah, <laughs> the last episode, and it's like not even. Some of them I felt like aren't. Yeah, justified. I'd like to compliment the production value as well. I think because of game because of Game of Thrones, people like uh, companies like Disney and HBO realize the 
importance of high quality television because it's and so you can do stuff as lucrative as lucratively as you would with tv shows look at the look at the budgets you get for each episode look how great the action set pieces were look how great the for everything from the plot from the costumes to the people they hire for the cinematography sets you know it it, it it really is a massive stepping stone in television i think game of thrones and i think all the TV shows we're seeing now, stuff like The Boys, stuff like, um, well, I just said The Boys. I'm not going to say The Boys again. <laughs> so, um, uh, the Boys, stuff like uh, the, the Boys, boys. The, stuff like The Boys, yeah, Falcon, The Winter Soldier, The Boys, um, just, just like The Mandalorian, the just, boys. just this, just this confidence to put to put value in TV. But really comes from the success you can, of Game of Thrones. You can I see think. how influential it was just by the fact that since it ended, every big new show that's come out has been. Is this Game the new Game of Thrones? Like everyone's saying, is this the new? Yeah. Like The Witcher came out, uh, His Dark Materials came out, just and everything. Yeah. The Nevers and everyone was like, is this the next Game of Thrones? It's like no, because you won't. Be but stop trying, Jack. You mentioned that you like the intrigue a lot, so I have a. I already, I'm pretty sure who this answer is going to be, but obviously everyone loves the the characters of Game of Thrones. Who's your? Who are your favorite characters in it? Oh... <laughs> That's the hardest question. Ah, I think. Ah. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say Littlefinger. I knew because... it. The second you said, oh, I love the intrigue of Game of Thrones, I knew you'd pick Littlefinger. <laughs> uh, because it's just like, he's... You just feel uncomfortable watching him. He just feels sleazy and manipulative. Um, unfortunately, I felt like... It all sort of went nowhere because there was a big sort of plot line with him and Varys and they were like doing some under table stuff um, and it didn't seem to go anywhere. It just And I feel that was my problem with the whole show is watch it once. I don't think it's a rewatchable series. <laughs> I've rewatched it a lot. <laughs> I, I've also okay. rewatched it because the majority of plot lines wrapped up before the yeah. end. Like the last season only had two left again, to wrap up. Season two to four, perfect run of television I can yeah. think of. I can't think of another instance where you have thirty-nine perfect episodes in a row of television, and that's what season two to four is. And it, and in fact, what? in fact, season four finale. If if you're not interested in it, how it goes after is a per is a perfectly reasonable show finale. Like the way it ends with the it's also just trial so rewatchable. Yeah, it's rewatchable because it's never boring. Because it's a show where the dialogue is just as exciting as the battles. Because every single time there's a conversation in that show, both the characters want something out of the other one. Because every mm -hmm. single person in that show, no matter who they are, has their own ulterior motive to everything. So, like, every conversation great, is a verbal battle. What was great about season one is you had, you know, the Starks and, and Ned Stark, who were, like, sort of the only really honourable, sort of not scheming house. And by the way it sort of turns out, it goes to show this is the kind of world uh, that these characters are living in where it's not a viable strategy being nice and <laughs> yeah. remember remember it doesn't matter the, the politics of the realm does not matter in the end because there is this thing that that doesn't care about politics very far to the north coming the entire time 
Yeah. And, you do, and all the stuff goes on for six seasons. And you just, John's just like, I don't care. None of Those this matters. Walkers, yeah. They're coming. <laughs> the man, the bloody wall. <laughs> Forget about, about your the ladder. Show, there are. There are characters whose entire motivation is completely personal, who don't care about politics. Like the Hound, he doesn't care about politics. No. Bron, oh, he just wants what he character. wants. My favourite character, Oberyn, he's got one motivation. He wants revenge against his sister, and everything else he does, is no matter who he's that. helping to do it, yeah. no matter which side they're on, <laughs> no matter how nice you think he's being, no matter how charming he's being to someone, every single thing he's doing is just leading up to his own personal motivation. The throne, in the end, is such a minor thing yeah. because everyone has that thing they want and that's what they're working for and, and that applies to all of the characters i mean i know you i know you've mentioned varus the problem with Val- varus is that he values the throne too much like he's all for the realm and helping people whereas everything he seems to do that seems to do like does the opposite of help people because simply put it people with money matter in this yeah, they, they decide everyone's fate and so that you can see the futility of characters playing a simple, and you can always see the moment somebody is gonna fail. Like the brilliant thing with Rob is that there are there are two or three moments where you watch it and go, oh, "He's done. He's already made this mistake. It's just gonna take another season, and he's gone because he's already made that mistake." When you're up against Tywin Lannister, you can't slip, and well, you've slipped about a season in. You're, you're stuffed. Sorry, you know <laughs> it's true. It, that, that, that's the sort of show it is. Things like Daenerys. The moment she enters Marine, you're like, she's gonna. Loads of people are gonna die. She's gonna get kicked out, isn't she? Because clearly she has no power here. I can't remember which one of you said it. There's only one of you said before we started recording about Game of Thrones, and that's that the spoiler isn't who dies, it's about how and when. Because <laughs> you can just assume that every character at some point is gonna die in that show. Yeah. But it's how they make mistakes that lead up to them I'm, dying that, i'm also happy to do a full episode on game of thrones yeah I, in fact, I can do it without any prep because i've seen it yeah, we, uh, so yeah, what we'll are your on, guys favorite you know one scene or one shot or oh, one sentence um, can my... i pick a whole episode as my yeah, one scene so i want to pick the battle well. of the bastards <laughs> mine is yeah, also because, a, battle a episode. phenomenal episode so my... battle of the bastards Mine isn't the Battle of Bastards episode as a whole because it is a great episode, but it's one moment, and I think you probably will guess what it is. But it's where he charges ahead of all of yeah. his troops yeah. to grab his. Do you, um... do you know what the best thing about the Battle of the Bastards is? Right, is that I always forget when I watch the episode is that the first quarter of the episode is the Battle of Marine, the bit where she flies the dragon and burns all the ships. That's that's the start of Battle of the Bastards. You didn't even get to the, the Battle of the Bastards. You get this a fantastic battle scene right at the start. And it's just like, yeah, this is, yeah, this is a fantastic arguably, episode. Because no one can deny the cinematography of Game, of Game of Thrones being great. But you get arguably the best shot of the entire show in the episode. And that's when, John like, pulling John, his sword yeah, out with the army charging yeah, him. Yeah, cavalry charging towards my, him. My fa- what a moment. My favourite yeah. episode, I love the Battle of Blackwater. I think that's a f- that's the first major battle um, episode in the series, and I think it takes two seasons to get there. Yeah, and the <laughs> moment where you know with the wildfire and the ship, absolutely stunning. But my favourite um, episode is "We Are the Watchers on the Wall," the 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 battle in Castle Black. Just the way that episode is constructed, with the attack on the wall, the attack on the other side, you 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 lose some major major. Night Watchmen characters that like you get to the end of like you get to like season eight and the big battle you think how many people have died 
imagine who okay. should be there, who could be there. And yeah, and and that's you know the mo- that's the moment John properly properly rises. He's fantastic in it, and I love, I really love that episode. Just to end Game of Thrones, and I know that you guys said like everyone's seen Game of Thrones, but if if there is anyone that is somehow listening to this yeah. that hasn't seen Game of Thrones, just go and watch it. You're missing out on Society. not just like an amazing TV show, but also like a massive just cultural touchstone, I reckon. Yeah. And like just the only advice I can give to someone going into Game of Thrones is don't be put off by the excessive nudity of season one. Because it, yeah. it does like, go it, away. There's away. bits of it in the later seasons, yeah. but there's way less, and it's not as excessive. Yeah, don't watch it with your like, parents. Oh, I, I, watched, like it all, I watched it all time... with my dad. Oh, okay. Yeah, I watched it with my parents. Because <laughs> it goes away. Because like, that stuff's only really in the first season. And after that, it's so minor. I feel like any time that a show is allowed to do nudity, they just go like all in straight Especially away. Especially in the first like, season, yeah. Look what we can do, and then they're like, "Oh wait, this doesn't make good storytelling. There's, Let's just not bother." There's three. There's three letters that connect all of shows that you just described, Jack, and those three letters are H, B, and O. Oh, how opening theme. Oh, oh yeah and great great like opening it. sequence in general the sort of like what is it it's like it's almost like a fold-out book no yeah. it's like the System. um the clogs isn't it well yeah, it's clogs, the um yeah really cool aesthetic. yeah because it's the spinning glow uh cogs that we see in the yeah, from old town um, isn't it le- yeah in old town later on yeah but the, i love the way that that again it's something i said about gotham when we're talking about the dc episode is that westos is kind of as much of a character as the characters and as characters do different things Westeros evolves massively. Like Winterfell mm. goes through so many transitions. Yeah, goes and on. I love the way that they fold that into the intro as well, and have that evolve yeah. as it goes. Absolutely. And does it always? It always only goes to the, like the places that the that episode visits, right? Yeah, like it goes to where it's important. Because Game of Thrones is a lot to take in. Like I didn't learn any characters' names until about season three. <laughs> but like by the time you finished it, you're going to know every character's name, every place that's important. Because the show does a really good job of throwing in what's important when it's needed. You're going to be really good at swearing. Like, really good. <laughs> Should we? I, I know when I've watched Game of Thrones because I get a very potty mouth. Should we jump on from Game of Thrones yeah. then and move on to, move on yeah. to a Reese? A Reese? Uh, do you have a D20 on you, Jack? I can grab a D20, yeah. Yeah. Because I have so, 20 yeah. options. I really hope we get Balamore. Oh yeah, so do I, because it's a very important <laughs> show to me. I, I, I can, and I can actually explain why I really like it. It's the same reason why I like Power Rangers, but got Miles Jeff in it. <laughs> not Power Rangers. <laughs> no, not Miles. No, Miles Jeff is a Power Ranger. <laughs> Miles Jeff would be a brilliant Power Ranger. <laughs> That's a seven, Reese. A seven. Ah. It's not Balamori, but it is another um, children's TV show, admittedly. Um, I really love Horrible Histories. Over lockdown, I've revisited a lot of shows that I used to watch as a kid, just because I've had quite a lot of free time. And the majority of them don't hold up, obviously. They're made for kids. However, when I rewatched Horrible Histories, I was kind of on a, on a ghost's high. And I've loved this cast for a long time. I know all the songs off by heart. Anyway, thinking of great shows that were on CBBC that were educational, funny, had a great cast, 
and worth the watch and worth the rewatch. This is probably the only one that stood all those tests. It is fantastic. Um, there are so many episodes. There are so many sketches, and it does have my fault of the British history, British education when it comes to history. Of it only focuses on certain aspects of history. It sort of avoids the big nasty stuff because obviously you can't really go deep into slavery on a CBBC show, even though maybe they should. Um, but yeah, I love it. I mean, you you, you know the cast very well, Mike from Ghosts. You know. They're all yeah. in it, plus a few others that you see pop up elsewhere. People like Alice Lowe, who don't show up in other... Uh, uh, well, Madeline Wolf from Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, actually, um, who don't really show up in the other... Marenghi's Dark of, of, of these, uh, this cast's things. Yeah, I'm, I still listen to all the songs. I still watch all the sketches when I can, like, on YouTube. Just They're, like, two or three minutes. I, it's just comfort television for me, and I... I know most of it off by heart. Um, why would I? Why would I recommend to watch it? If you have a child, and you want to put on something that you both can watch, it's perfect because it's also funny for you and them. And I hope it's a show that you can like laugh along with someone else while watching. Uh, and if you don't have a child and you want an excuse to watch it, yeah, get a child. Just yeah, just, just get a child. Yeah, um, just take one off the street. But also, all the songs are really catchy. Like, stuff like um, Dick Turpin, Highwayman. Literally, the Four Georges. Yeah, they even had a full prom dedicated towards it. That's how great the music is in this. Um, it's also a great little, like, trivia when you see these actors pop up in other things. Like, when you see Simon Farnby pop up in Star Wars, you're like, oh my god, it's Simon Farnby. When you see Ben Wilbond as Adam in the thick of it, you're like, oh my God, it's Ben Wilbond from Hero of Histories. You know, it's just one of those things that it, I watched it at a, at a time when I watched TV the most. You know, when I, my main TV consumption growing up was just after I got home from school. And I didn't watch Cartoon Network. I watched Dave, CBBC, and, and then quiz shows. And so my, 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 my appetite was Top Gear, Horrible histories and the chase, <laughs> like that—that that was what I watched at grow. And then on Saturdays there'd be Merlin or Doctor Who. That's literally how I watched TV for years. Um, and so yeah, this holds a special place in my heart as like my favourite TV show when I was a child, and I still think it holds up today. I always wish that I loved horrible histories because I always struggle when you guys bring it up because I know you and Sammy and Melanie and Darren all really like it and you were the guys that recommended ghosts to me and it made me hold off on ghosts for a long time because i was never really into the horrible histories much and then i finally did came and watch ghosts at your guys recommendation and i adored it because i think it was an incredible show but i've always kind of struggled with horrible history because it never just never really landed no. for me a lot of the humor in it and i i don't want to take away from you guys loving it because i I always really wished I love it because it's what, such a good, like, talented cast. Yeah, what, I wish the show worked for me. What helps is that I own a lot of... I, I still do own them because I had them for years. I own pretty much all of the Horrible Histories collection. Like, especially from, like, anything that was released um, 10 to 20 years ago. I have it all, you know, Savage Stone Age... Rotten Romans, uh, Terrible Tudors, you know, I have them all. I, I grew up reading Terence Dicks and and I love the artwork in them. And to see it converted on the screen so successfully at that age, the age that I was, it really stuck with me. Did you watch it growing up? 
I, I think I saw a few episodes growing up, but didn't watch a lot. I think that is a big part of it because you know nostalgia is massive in, with these things. You know, did how, when were you when when did you fall in love with it? Why does it still resonate with you? There are plenty of shows that you probably watched as a child that I never have. I mean, for one, for me, Last Airbender, I never watched when I was growing up. I watched it. I watched it over lockdown. I wasn't that fussed by it. I was like, yeah, this is fine, but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll happily not finish it. I just love anything that's like educational in that way as well. Like it's not just you don't just watch it for entertainment. You watch it because you can learn something as well. And yeah, I think it's the best thing CBBC ever made. And that's what I used to watch when I was growing up. So other people should watch it. One thing I'd like you to do, Reese, is explain to me what it is. So because all I know about horrible histories is is called horrible it's histories. It's a series of. It's basically a series of educational sketches where they go to different different times like in history. I they'll do a sketch in the Tudor times that'll teach you about um the wives of Henry VIII or what happened with the um the breaking up of the church the the breaking of England from the Catholic Church or they go to the Stuarts and go through like a sketch of how like Charles the 1st lost his head but they'll do it in like either like they'll do it through like news reports or they'll do it through song or like adverts there was this one where hi i'm a shouty man and he'd advertise like old products i the one he'd advertise wee as a way of washing your clothes get this all new wee wee um uh victorian times they go through like inventions the reign of queen victoria like like they do news reports like there was a guy called bob who would do historical events like weather reports like he'd have a map as if he was forecasting it he'd go through like the english civil war like that and of course the songs are the main thing for me again i i know pretty much all of them the the standout for me is the monarch song where they sing through all the kings and queens of england like over and over again like they build up and then there's this huge chorus of all the names of the king, queen, kings and queens of england and it's just aggressively entertaining. That's it's aggressively entertaining, and you're learning stuff <laughs> while you do it. And it's horrible histories, which means you learn about death, blood, gore, and poo. And if you're that age, that's all you want to learn about, because you know those things are funny. Poo's Could you, funny. at some level, describe it as a kids Monty, a kids Monty Python, but with a historical uh, focus? Absolutely. I've, I've, I, it's the closest thing I've seen. To, clo- to Monty Python in a long time because of the troop there's, it's how close the troop are to see the other things they do you watch ghosts a lot of the childish humour in ghosts like the slapstick a lot of that is from horrible histories I'd say it's just that it's a lot more raunchy in ghosts, in ghosts. as well yeah but ghosts is not see, you can see how well kids. they slip into the historical characters in ghosts that's because they have a strong pedigree in this not only this they did the film called bill which was like a, a spoofy take on william shakespeare yonderland was very fantasy world that's ghost, one of the think... things that makes ghosts shine isn't it is that they clearly have a such a good love and knowledge for history if someone was pitching ghosts it's like it's all ghosts from different time periods i think if anyone else had done it they probably would have had four or five from very distinct periods but ghosts really goes yeah. very specific like they've got a victorian one they've got a regency one they've got a world war ii one they've got a caveman they've so they yeah. really get a lot of different time periods in there just because that crew know what they're doing when it comes yeah. to history and i think it's one of the things that makes ghosts shine yeah i i oh i i said i 
I understand if you don't go and watch this because again, it is a kids' TV show. But if you have a kid and you want them to learn about history and have fun and sing and dance while they do it, Horror Histories is the perfect show. I'm, I'm not. I'm. I'm I, I don't have to justify it. <laughs> I, I still. I still like it even at this age. I, I think it's, 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 it's dated, fine. It's dated. It's dated so well. It's um, fine to kids shows as an adult i think i mean i'm a yeah. scooby-doo addict so. and half of my half of my list of, t- of children's tv shows so uh, <laughs> oh, gosh yeah I, I haven't got much more to say about it go and watch it if you want a good intro to it watch the um the horrible histories at the prom no horrible history at the prom they basically condense the entire show into like a one hour live performance and you get you really get a sense of how chaotic a lot of the scenes are because they get Bob in there, they get stupid deaths in there, they get all the songs, they get lots of educational bits and original humour. So yeah, I definitely recommend it. Well, shall we move on then? Yeah. Uh, we'll go back to you, Mike. Um, so hang on, I'll I'll, I'll I'll produce a random number, a rant with a rant with a random between function, which isn't four one or four one or nine. <laughs> Five. Yeah. Five. Oh, a show I absolutely adore. And I think I it's a so. hard one to recommend to people. Yeah. It's my fifth favorite TV show of all time, but I actually hate it. No, oh. that would be Doctor Who. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's Bojack Horseman. A show that's really hard to recommend to people because on the surface, Bojack Horseman looks like nothing more than another rubbish family guy style animated show i don't know if either of you have actually seen bojack horseman or not the, the the basic sort of generic concept is it's, it's sort of this very simplistic animation style and it's about this horse who's a washed up actor who back in the 90s had a really successful sitcom called horsing around that was i should probably explain the world just animals are also just people like they're all just all humanoid but with an animal's head but there's also humans and it's just fine. It's just accepted. That's just how it is. Um, that, yeah, that sounds uh, normal to yeah, me. Um, but he had a sitcom called Horsing Around that ran for like eight really successful seasons. Of He was a horse who adopted three human kids. And now the show is set 20 years after it ended. And now he's totally washed up. And he's now just, oh, you're that guy. You're that horse from Horsing Around. And the show, season one struggles a bit with both the comedy side and the emotional side. But what the show becomes is an exploration of sort of how show business treats people behind the scenes. It becomes very much definitely a show about mental health. Like Bojack struggles with drug addiction. He struggles with alcoholism. He struggles with depression. And all of the characters around him all struggle with different sort of mental health issues. And it somehow puts into their so many different types of representation as well like it's one of the few shows with a just highly prominent asexual character that actually explores asexual culture as part of it and it's just there's so much they fit into the show and where you what think from the first episode oh this is just another family guy style rubbish animated comedy it goes so deep that like there are episodes that just scrap all the jokes and just go on a full like adventure through bojack's mind while he's having a total drug bender that are just the most depressing things ever and like every season bojack gets these new career opportunities that you think oh this is really going to turn it around for him but then because he's so self-destructive like 
it always goes wrong in ways that you can't see coming and just it's so painful to watch because at, at some level you don't really want some of the characters to succeed because some of them do such horrible things and every character in it is so well thought out and like they all think constantly that what they're doing is is what they should be doing and watching it you know like ah just stop <laughs> like it's such it's a really hard show to watch while also being a very easy one to binge because it's a very heavy depressing show but because it's an animated sitcom it's also really funny <laughs> like there are jokes in it that are just so hilarious and like i will daily just think of jokes from bojack horseman and start chuckling like it handles wordplay so well the constant animal puns because the characters are just randomly animals <laughs> you'll meet regularly you'll meet celebrities that are either human versions of celebrities played by themselves but like really heightened like jessica beale's in it and she's like just totally full of herself zach braff shows up for one episode and then sets himself on fire and every <laughs> time an actor refused to play themselves in it they would write this really like horrible version of them like andrew garfield shows up and he's this really cocky British guy who, because he's called Andrew Garfield, he hates Mondays and loves lasagna. <laughs> like, like it's just it's just full of puns. And like every time a celebrity makes a cameo appearance as himself, you know you're in for it because they're the celebrities that show up are totally willing to just rip into themselves to play the roles. And like then occasionally you'll meet a, a real world celebrity and they're an animal in this world. Like you've got Quentin Tarantula Tino who's a tarantula <laughs> and like it's just it's a show that manages to both be the like most heaviest depressing show ever with like such real themes that it touches on all the time while also being one of the funniest shows ever made and it's oh it's i would recommend it to anyone and it's a show that's both really easy and really hard to binge like i watched it through myself over the years and it's one of those shows when every time a new season was about to come out I would binge watch everything that had been before it again and never hesitate to do it because I just wanted more of it. The show finished, I binge watched it all again. Then I recommended it to my dad and he binged watched it all. And there's there's one episode which I think is it's, it's in my top three TV episodes of all time. It's the second last episode of the whole show. It's called um, The View From Halfway Down. And I remember watching it with my dad and he sat there in complete silence. And then just at 1.2 minutes from the end just went, this is sad, isn't it? <laughs> like ah incredible show and i recommend it and it's pretty short it's six seasons and they're all only about 13 episodes each so it it like it's a short one to to get through because they don't drag it out and it's it's just so good i i've been i've been meaning to watch it for about five years and i've never got around to it Um... and like and i have i know a lot of people that did stop after about season like halfway through season one because season one does struggle it it hasn't it doesn't find the balance yet like the jokes don't land enough and the heavy stuff doesn't feel earned but by the end of season one and then moving into season two it just got stronger and stronger and stronger every season until it came to such a perfect ending that like ah oh, are incredible and i could talk about why the ending because it doesn't end in a way that i think other shows end i don't want to say much more than that because i don't want to spoil it but it ends in a way that whilst is pretty unique for a way for something to end it just makes total sense for this show and if you do end up watching it either of you we will i'm sure do an episode on it because it's just just probably one of the most flawlessly and tightly written shows ever and stuff in it matters 
because you find other animated shows simpsons family guy american dad all of them like as much as i like some of those shows i won't say all those shows because family guy's terrible but <laughs> as much as i like some of those shows stuff that happens in them it doesn't matter like you get to the end of the 20 minutes and that's it everything's reset then but bojack horseman stuff matters like bojack will make a mistake in like episode two or three then like in the last season it will come back to to get him because there are so many different types of people represented in the show even if some of them are just some of the more minor characters who only get one or two seasons everyone's going to have find a character that they relate to and it's very much like community is another world that's built up around the wacky side characters that occasionally show up like there's a police officer called um officer meow meow fuzzy face mm-hmm. who's that's just like this really name. serious cop who just occasionally shows up and like sometimes you'll like see him undercover and he's just like wearing normal clothes over his cop outfit with like the sleeves coming out of the sleeves and his cop badge really obviously poking through i, I think this is a really <laughs> important point to admit like how i get into tv shows and i'm in that i'm in that zone with bojack horseman right now whereas i don't just go and start a pilot i'll go i'll basically watch a load of clips on youtube and eventually i can't stop watching the clips then i go well i may as well watch the show if i'm gonna if i'm watching so many and i'm getting to that i'm getting to that point with bojack horseman now where it's not long until i actually start the show from the start it's a show that once you've seen it just it'll never leave you because it's too the jokes are too memorable the characters are too well thought out and the themes are too heavy that like you just won't forget it and i know that i will rewatch it again within the year because i just can't stop rewatching it because it's so well thought out but it's just so good and like every time i rewatch it there's something new i notice that like i think oh that's the thing that comes back here later on and i from season early in season three no late in season two because i've got a list of my top 10 tv episodes of all time but i I always make sure that on that list i've only got one each show so i don't get it populated by multiple by one show like populated multiple episodes from from season two onwards i had a bojack awesome episode on there every single season i replaced it with another top episode some seasons i would replace it twice as i was watching through because there are so many like just such flawless like standalone episodes like you've seen thunder road reese you know the first five minutes of thunder road where he's doing that eulogy what there's a bojack episode that's just that for 20 minutes do you mean the short film that got converted into a feature length film Yeah. yeah there's a bojack there's a bojack episode that's 20 minutes and you think why would an animated show use the medium of animation to do a man standing on stage for 20 minutes doing a eulogy. But you forget the show's animated because it's too... The characters are too well thought out. Who's it made by? It's made by Raphael Bob Waxberg. Has he done anything else that I would have heard of? Tuka and Bertie, which was about this world where, like, the people were also animals. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh. oh, so he's got he's got like a theme. Uh, no, I think to I don't it, know. Yeah. I don't know if that was actually by him or not. Let me have a look. See if he's done anything else. Uh, he, yeah, he did. He produced Tuka and Bertie. Uh, he's got horsing around as a credit on his IMDb. <laughs> uh, nice. No, he's a he's not done much else. He's done a few other little things, but nothing is nothing is big. But it's it's a so impressive. I've got. I went through and uh, noted every episode that I consider a 10 out of 10 
I've got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, and all 13, of the are on there. 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 20, 21 episodes. I consider a flawless 10 out of 10 out of 77, which isn't bad. And I don't think any of the others I go below an 8 because the show wow. is just so good. And like it's except for That's maybe summer praise. season one, except for maybe summer season one. But like it's it's very powerful and memorable TV. And I would recommend anyone do not get put off by the concept of it looking like wacky horse show. Cause you will think wacky horse show, but you will get sad horse show. <laughs> Aww. So good. You guys both go watch it immediately. And we'll record an episode on it next week. <laughs> Cause that's how long it will take <laughs> you to get through it. You will call in sick to work so that you can watch more both. <laughs> <laughs> Jack. Uh. Jack, <laughs> before I stop coughing, <clears throat> I shouldn't lie down drinking beer. <clears throat> Jack, would you like to talk us through Black Sails once more? <laughs> I'm sure uh, everyone Here's is. Here's the thing, uh, right? I'm of... pretty sure that episode isn't edited yet. It could come out within, like, sometime within the next three years. Who knows? <laughs> this could come out before it. There are now two constants of this podcast. Mike, Reese, and Sammy will bring up Doctor Who, and Melanie and Jack will, will bring up Black Sails. Black Sails. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much it. Represent. Jack, so, what is Black Sails? <laughs> imagine Game of Thrones, okay, but pirates. Right. So, <laughs> and it's not like over a huge landmass. It's all based on this one sort of island where... Um, You've got all these different pirate captains that are all vying for power and trying to get the gold and trying to outrank each other and, you know, basically do what they're doing in Game of Thrones, but on a more micro scale. Um, there is, like, sort of one narrative, though. They're not going through their own... Well, they're, they're all going through their own journeys, but they're all heading in the same direction and there's the same sort of destination. Um and it sort of starts off as this sort of standard pirate drama. Uh, Captain Flint st- found the ship with the gold. He's trying to get it. And then uh, it sort of goes into this massive tangent of d- destroying capitalism and imperial rule on the island. And it gets quite big. Um, but there's loads of characters who are like scheming. Um, Long John Silver from the Treasure Island book is a massive character in it. He sort of starts off as this scheming character who's trying to um, get power um, and get everyone sort of uh, um, align uh, align himself with different people and get on the right side of some of the uh, like crew, so they'll vote for him to be you know captain or something. But then by the end of it, he's sort of really thinking about the people and. He's really not self-focused and he's focused on everyone else. There's a lot of character development as well. Um, but there is a whole episode, as you said, really scheduled on it. Um, so I don't I don't know how much I want to go into it. I, uh, I understand it's sort of a mixture of like real world pirates and Treasure Island, right? Yes, yes. So, so it's... would you say you need any knowledge of either Treasure Island or Real Pirate History to watch it? Because I know nothing about either no. of those. It definitely colours it in a little bit, but it's not necessary. It is a, it is a pseudo 
like prequel to Treasure Planet. Treasure Planet. Treasure, Treasure Planet. Island. That's not what I expected. Wow, that sounds Treasure like Island. a sequel. Um, yeah, it's my sister's favourite show as well. Like, <laughs> she's already got me into good. it. Um, just... People have been recommending to me for a long time. For some reason, I've always ignored them. <laughs> I mean, it's only, what, four seasons, isn't it? Yeah. It's only... Oh, is it quite I short? S- I saw it a couple of years ago with my sister because she nagged for so long. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, it is good. Don't get me wrong. It's good. I can't remember much about it, though. Cause it's oh, 38 episodes. That's not long at all. Ah, when I loaded IMDb, the main picture was an actress from The Flash who plays the worst character in the entire show. So that's not promising. <laughs> all I remember from it is that it's one of those shows where I watched it and then I spent maybe another two weeks, maybe even a month, Googling and Wikipediaing everything, every single aspect of the show to try to get like a comprehensive knowledge that's... of it because that's how, and I think that's always a good sign. Like, yeah, that's whenever, very... I, whenever I rewatch, say, Lord of the Rings or Star Wars or Harry Potter, I finish the films or, t- or shows or whatever, and then I, I spend about two months going right deep into everything and then becoming like an expert on it for about like three months like oh yeah I, I know everything about the dark ages from the silver blah, 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 because i've been reading it on wikipedia on the i've been doing a lot of research on it you know that's when i, I know so that's when i know a show has has really resonated with me is that i will i will just be googling random things about the show just so i can have more of that show or that film it's like yeah. even though like it's not going to be telling me anything that the show didn't already the one thing that makes black sales are the characters um, the story's good, but the characters are what make it. Um, and there's like uh, in season three, um, one of the antagonists shows up. But like where me and Melanie sort of differed is she really didn't like him, uh, but I kind of did. And he is set up as the antagonist, but you're sort of thinking it's a world of pirates. He's got some, <laughs> yeah, he, he's kind of like right though. Every he's character's yeah, an antagonist. Piracy, because <laughs> it's like um, we we made this point with Melanie. It's like, listen, they're pirates, so they're murderers, rapists, mm-hmm. savages. But have you seen the other guys? Like, <laughs> have you seen who they're fighting? They're awful as well. <laughs> well, what's what's odd is how they like in the later seasons they al- ally themselves with slaves, and it becomes you know sort of slaves and pirates versus England, um, and it's sort of it, that's where I kind of struggled with it a bit more because uh, I know from real history is the English and the British were the fighting force against slavery, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was a bit odd um, seeing them being like slaves against england obviously it was the 1700s so i i get it a bit more because you know the slave mm-hmm. trade was rampant then but yeah it, it was interesting mm. is it so it's a very grounded show then it's not sort of fantastical yeah, or anything there's very little ground no, no, in no. it but yeah there's <laughs> it's very grounded for the fact that no, no, it's mostly no. on know, water no the, the word you should do it's an anchored show because it's, <laughs> it's anchored down <laughs> yeah yeah, there's no like sort of um, weird like sort of prophecy stuff or anything like that. Also, um, production value—it's very—it's always very difficult to film anything involving boats and water. And I commend the show for going thirty, what thirty-nine episodes with those sets because I bet they broke over and over again, and they had so many delays. You've seen the production of Waterworld? That's a hard film to make one the one thing i did notice though uh season one the ship cgi is a 
great. No, it's <laughs> it not. Gets better. It gets better. Um, but it just looks like a sort of artificial ship. <laughs> Do not complain about bad CGI in TV. They haven't got a lot of money to do anything. Have you seen Lazarus in Doctor Who? Have you seen Merlin? It's we unwatchably bad CGI. <laughs> a TV show is only good if the CGI is good. <laughs> God, I... You say that, but I think the biggest thing anyone's ever made fun of with Walking Dead, and there's a lot to make fun of with that show, <laughs> is that there's an episode where two characters go out hunting, and they hunt a deer in the episode, oh. and they use a CGI deer, <laughs> and it's shocking. It's not on the environment that it's in. It's, it doesn't cast a shadow. The lighting on it is different. It's, like, glowing. It doesn't look... It barely looks like a deer. Like, it's not quite touching the ground. It's, like... And, like, you look at it, and you go, like, I get that TV doesn't have much of a budget for CGI, but you're Walking Dead. You've got budget for one CGI thing a season, and you can do better than that. Did. Yeah, and uh, uh, Mike, how does the uh, CW Arrowverse CGI look? Depends which show you're talking about. Because if it's um, if you're talking about Superman and Lois, great, oh, brilliant. If you're talking about every other Supergirl sh- had its budget <laughs> robbed this year to give to Superman and Lois, dreadful. There was a fight in this another Flash, where they had a fight inside the Speed Force. And it's the ugliest thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, but it's part of it, isn't it? It gives it, it gives it like a sub. If, if if it's even bad, it gives it like something to hold on to. If you're enjoying it, even though it looks shit, it must Weird be doing though, something is that right. Sometimes the Arrowverse looks amazing. Like sometimes. just sometimes when they're doing a cross, be great. <laughs> when <laughs> when Superman and Lois is happening, <laughs> it looks great. Yeah, because it's one of the best tv shows of this year so uh... yeah it's the best live action version of superman we've probably ever had so. all right reese i've rolled for you we're on f- with 15 <clears throat> 15 yeah ah okay i i've no idea if you guys have seen it and i i think one of you has and you've told me in the past you don't like it as well but it's a show where i don't really care what other people think about it nice because it's quite a special show best to me. kind of show and that show is gavin and stacy never oh, either have no. you seen it nope i've seen no. one episode and i uh, laughed my head off because it was about them oh. trying to pick which nightclub to go to in cardiff which yeah, when i was yeah, in cardiff was amazing that, 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 uh, do you see why i like it yeah. love it because here's the thing gavin and stacy right Everywhere, every single location they use in the show, apart from when they go to London, was filmed in about within about five miles of me. So Pam and Mick's house, which is meant to be in Essex, who is Gavin's mother and father, I can literally see it from my bedroom window. Like I could look out there. There it is. There's, there's Pam and Mick's house. It's the same thing with like Sarah Jane Adventures. I used to walk past Bannerman Road on the way to school. You know, there's, there's that connection to it. Um, where Gavin, where where Stacy lives, it. I take a train, two stops. I can walk up the hill to a house. Like it, it, it's something that that galvanised me as a child. Of oh my god, they film television where I live. Like it's something so special. I know you get that with Doctor Who, but Doctor Who was mainly in Cardiff. And when I definitely when I moved to, to when I moved to uni in Cardiff, being in Cartes, you're around all those locations. But Gavin and Stacey, that's where I first got it. And not only that, I f- love it. Like it, as you said, it's not the funniest show in the world. In fact, uh, I rarely laugh watching it, but I get so invested in all the characters. There, it like Community. 
it's a show where the side characters stand out. Like it's it the whole thing is built around the people that Gowan and Stacy know, and it's a really important theme of when you've got two people coming together and they fall in love and they create a partnership. It's not just two people who are involved in it because you've got the parents, you've got siblings, you've got best friends, you've got people you work with, colleagues, you've got where you work, you've got where you live. Where they live is massive. The divide, I mean, it's only down the M4, right? That 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 splits them. People who are not from Britain, the M4 is the road that goes from London to uh, Wales. But, um, you know, and there's so massive divide. Like, how do you balance a relationship like that? And it's a show which I've watched at many different ages and have got different reactions watching it, depending on how old I was. I first watched this when it did actually come out. I must have only been, well, it came out in 2007, so I was only nine. But I used to watch it with my family. I used to get very excited seeing Barry. And then I'd watch it on reruns when I was in school. Also get very excited, but then I'd get more invested in the characters, particularly the character of Smithy, who is portrayed as a failure. Um, but I always used to admire like the courage that character has of keeping going, even though not everything in life works. And then I used to watch it all the time in uni. Um, in fact, uh, you might you might have had this, Mike, um, particularly with with flatmates you sometimes you have a communal tv you just put on netflix once in a while and like what's the th- one thing you always rewatched rewatched for a long time it was friends with us but the main thing we used to rewatch is gavin and stacy over and over again just from start to finish we've watched it basically three four times a semester and so i know it inside out in my head all the characters i love uncle Bryn. i mean you got rob bryden is fantastic in this uh, he always is though isn't he? <laughs> so I've, I, yeah i've always i've already mentioned smithy and it's like it, there's nothing particularly spectacular about it, but it's it. Everything that they do comes together in a way. It feels real. It feels honest. It's emotional, and every single character you just root for, and everyone has a different character they root for. For myself, I loved seeing Mick, who was um, Gavin's father, who's a lot more reserved and calm than Gavin's mother, or the Welsh lot in it. He, he understood Gavin's decisions, whereas my mother really liked Pam, who was, um, who was like emotional and like reacted in very like, oh my god, I can't believe you're doing that sort of ways because that that that's very real. Um, I love the fact how, and I missed this as a child, but looking back and you see how when when they did the new episode, what twenty nine Christmas twenty nineteen, how popular it was. Like we're talking about Game of Thrones earlier on, how popular that was. 18 million people watched the the Christmas episode two years ago. That's how that's how much long people were waiting for it, and how many people were invested in it. Honestly, the the season finale will 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 Nessa get married to Dave Coaches or not? Massive, like like the talking point of the decade <laughs> at that point. And I just love looking back and how big that show was. Um, I also love the fact that it exposes Wales. I'm very yeah. I'm, I love seeing Welsh accents on screen. I think it's one of those things where you watch a lot of old comedy. It's all very upper class, Oxford, Cambridge, posh. You know, you, even stuff like Peep Show, IT Crowd, Blackadder, Faulty Towers, Monty Python. They've all got the same accents and they all went to the same places. This, you've got a, you've got a, girl, a, a woman who grew up in Neath and, Pota- and Porth Call and a bloke who 
um, grew up in East London, Essex, and it's like it's such a different voice, and it's so, and so when you hear the right when you hear the dialogue, it's so real. It's not written in a way to degrade other people. It's not laughing at people. It's laughing with you. Like I think this is the distinction between this and say I was thinking about it the other day. What was I? What show was I thinking of? I can't remember what show I was thinking of now, but I was like, there are comedies that laugh at people. Oh, Little Britain, that's it. Little Britain. Uh, yeah. Little Britain. Sorry, no. Little Britain is yuck. a is a show that laughs at other people. The joke is at other people's expenses. Gavin and Stacey is a is a show that laughs with you. It knows exactly what it's doing because it's written by people who grew up in those situations, who grew up in these places and understand what people are like. And you know what? People are stupid and people are funny. And, you know, that's it. Just doing random mundane stuff is really funny to some people because, you know, we all have family jokes and connections like that. It's not nasty. It's really funny. The, all the season arcs are great, whether it's to do with marriage or breaking up or struggling with distance or pregnancy or unwanted pregnancy or split marriages or um, how d- or dead relatives and you know, even mundane stuff like organising charity events. Um, what happens when you appear on the news? Like we all know people who appear on the news for like two seconds. It's like they just make stuff, little funny stuff like that. Commuting is another one. Singing in the car. What do you have on when you're singing? Yeah, not everyone wants to admit they listen to James Blunt on the way, do they? But people do when you're sat in the car on your own. So I think it's a very particular comedy that's very close to my heart. And again, I can't give specifics as to why I absolutely adore or find it hilarious. But it's the realest thing I've ever seen on te- I've ever seen watch. And again, it's all around me. I walk, I go on my walks, and I walk through the world that they're in. I love it, um, and I recommend anyone watch it. Doesn't matter where you are, because it's 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 universally hilarious. And I think. If you if you watch Gavin and Stacey, you learn to love where they are, and it's, it's fantastic. Um, I have one memory of Gavin and Stacey. I've seen one episode, and it was the Christmas uh, special oh, yeah. two years ago. And my my aunt and cousin sat me and my mum down and said, "We are watching Gavin <laughs> and Stacey because it's brilliant." Yeah, it is brilliant. And I remember not enjoying it one day. Yeah, well, yeah. Watch the show. Watch <laughs> well, it's probably hard show. to jump into like the. Yeah, it, to be honest, I didn't have a lot of context because someone proposes to James Corden, and yeah. I'm like, I don't know my, who you are, my, or what your relationship my is. Fav- <laughs> my favorite episode of the series is the barn dance where Bryn, Uncle Bryn, organizes um, Gwen's birthday, and it's where I had my birthday party that year as well. <laughs> the exact same venue, and they organize a barn dance in there, and it's the it's the episode where they sing "Islands in the Stream." Um, which is probably the most famous thing to come out of the show that that there's a karaoke element to it. The and... there's a joke that I think is from that karaoke scene in Gavin and Stacey that my um that I had a physics teacher used to quote regularly. Whenever he would get someone to answer a question in class, he would say their name and then introduce them as that person from Wales, England. Which if I'm right <laughs> is a joke from that Gavin and yeah. episode, which is fantastic because genuinely just is what people think, isn't it? <laughs> and also, I love the fact that you watch it and go, "Didn't he play a Sontaran in the Sarah Jane Adventures?" 
I'm pretty sure he played an alien in End of the World at one point. Like, it's that sort of thing. Extras show up from Doctor Who showed up on that show because they were making it ex- in exactly the same place in exactly the same time. So you see loads of overlaps for actors and stuff. There's um, only one question I've got about Gavin and Stacey, and it's, it might seem like a slightly strange one, and it's what sort of character is Gavin? Because I know usually, cause is it Matthew Horn? plays him is that yeah Matthew Horn because I know usually like the main character of a sitcom is usually the straight man like he's not the funny one he's there to react to the silly characters and it's I have a I have trouble seeing him as that because my only exposure to him is him as um as headmaster Fraser from Bad Education who's the silliest character of that show (laughs) the one maybe flaw I'd say of Gavin and Stacey if there is one is that it's not about Gavin and Stacey. It's about the people they bring together and the worlds colliding. Gavin and Stacey are pretty much the most boring thing that happens. And in fact, the only time, the best time of the show is actually when they do engage those characters in conflict. There is a whole arc after they get married in, in season two where they struggle to keep to maintain the relationship because they're both struggling with work and money and stuff. And so it does get pretty hectic. Um, Gavin, Gavin is... Probably, I'd say, the emotional thermometer for the show. All right. If he's in a good state, stuff is going well. Just, if he isn't, stuff isn't. It's, so, because it's just so strange. There, sorry, sorry, because the whole wo- in season three, the whole world st- of it starts to break apart a bit because he learns about his infertility. And it's like that, that effect on the rest of the show is really apparent because he's down in the dumps. Stacey's down in the dumps everyone else around them is down in the dumps and it's just like in the first season he's so excited to meet Stacy and get married and you can see that there's an energy to the cast in it in the second one in the second season again they're struggling with their marriage which means that the relationships between Smithy and Nessa um, the Welsh lot and the English lot are also struggling like he him and Gav, like again Gavin and Stacy are the drivers of the show they're not the main that they're, they're not they, they they sort of become background characters but they're definitely important in the way that they set the theme and yeah gavin is definitely the straight man he's usually the most sensible of the lot like you sort of back every decision gavin makes whether he makes it for the right decision or the wrong decision because it's always come from a position of i'm trying to think this through it's very difficult to maintain a marriage over 160 miles and he's just trying to do his best same with same with Stacey, to be fair stacy also has that um so are they apart um they not so they no, no no so we so basically they in the start of the show they they meet when they phone each other from work so for that one work phone the other initially and they start talking on the phone and then season one is all about them meeting for the first time then by the end of the season they get married the second season is about trying to maintain that marriage over a long distance, whether they live in Barry or whether they live in Billericay. Um, and it puts a large strain. Also in that second season, Ness is going through a pregnancy, which is involved with Smithy. And then the third season is about Gavin and Stacey's in, um, inability to get have a child due to their um, physical faults or physical um, stuff that physically they can't control, but is frustrating. And how do Smithy and Nessa maintain bringing up a child without, without actually like living together? And so there's lots of social cues in it, um, and it changes a lot. And again, you have these brilliant side characters who are just hilarious all the time. But there's a real weight to it. And as, as I said, I, it, it's, it's, it's special for me because where it's filmed and where 
how I relate to the characters and the particularly the Welsh lot. Like I understand like the belittling of them when Barry isn't actually that bad a place. No, um, Barry's alright. Barry's it's the largest town in Wales. Like it's not a bad place. Like there are I'd say maybe one or two rough streets, maybe, that have a reputation. But apart from that, it's lovely and it has a beach. It's lush. Barry Island is lovely. Like Whitmore Bay is beautiful. And they I think they do well to demonstrate that in the show as well. I honestly I I if can I make a pact with you now, um, Mike? Because a blood pack. Yeah, because Gavin and Stacey is three seasons of six episodes plus two Christmas specials. If I start watching BoJack Horseman now, will you start watching Gavin and Stacey? That's a and then fair can, deal. Maybe, maybe in the future we can compare notes when we finish both shows. That sounds like a fair deal. I'll finish Atlanta because I've got a season of that left. Oh, yeah, Atlanta's great. Finish Atlanta. Uh, but sure, that sounds like a fair deal. I'm willing to watch anything to get people to watch Bojack Horseman. <laughs> it's on iPlayer right now, Gavin and Stacey. Oh, 22 um, episodes. That's not bad at all. No, and they're all half an hour. And the Italian restaurant is amazing. Uh, I'd be surprised. You'd be surprised how how many of the places you've been to. Like there are whole episodes set in Prism, <laughs> and we've all been to Prism. It was actually Prism before it was called Prism when it was called Oceana. They go to ten feet tall, which doesn't even exist anymore. God, Oceana, that's a throwback. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, whether they go to Live Lounge is debatable. I think they do go to Tiger Tiger at one point and Metro's. Um, uh, uh. <laughs> do you know what I mean these though? Do you, all, do you know what I mean though? Like these, these are all Cardiff places. Yeah, and they all these go are to all, all of them. Clubs in Portsmouth as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because got, they're, they're franchises. Chains. Um, yeah. We've got a Tiger Tiger and a Prism. <laughs> yeah, because they're chains. You, but, Tiger you, Tiger is awful. Tiger Tiger is a gross club. Do you understand that personal connection to it? Like you get, you just, you I got, I never got that from another show. Maybe Doctor Who. When they go to the optometry building, I'm like, oh, I've had my eyes tested there. <gasps> I studied uh, there for four years. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, should we? Should we? Yeah. Should we wrap it up? Oh, yeah. TV's we'll wrap it up. TV's mad, isn't it? It's such a different it's... beast to a film. Like if you can pull yeah. off a whole TV show without going <laughs> downhill at any point and get in like multiple seasons of strong stuff, the way or that you can develop a set of downhill... characters. And you go downhill and recover. And recover. That's also impressive. But if you can just if you can take a group of characters that people relate to and develop them over three or six or ten years or whatever, it's so impressive. It's a different type of storytelling because with with a film you have to kind of do everything within a couple of hours. Whereas you have you know, years upon years upon years to work on different characters and stories and ideas. And I think people people talk TV more, don't they? Because a film comes out, and like even even the biggest <laughs> the biggest film like Endgame, people are going to talk about it nonstop for a month or two months. But then it's going to die away because the next big film's out. But TV, when the big TV shows are on, the world's talking about them nonstop, and like. I mean, Game of Thrones was them. going on for years and years and years of, of people just non-stop just talking chatting, about it. Going into work after, you know, the last episode and just talking about things. I remember um, when season six came out, just everyone at work freaking out about different elements. Yeah. Seeing the faces, awesome stuff. seeing the faces of people 
in the street the day after the mountain and the viper aired and walking past people and thinking or or the day after the door aired walking past them in the street yeah. thinking i know for a fact that you watched <laughs> you game of last thrones night. last night i can <laughs> see you it cried. on your face i can see it on your face walking down the street that you watch game of thrones it's like you can't <laughs> your, your face is still wet yeah from the tears. Like, like and it's love film you can't the 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 how much a great tv show can touch everyone is so impressive and that's that's why doctor who is number one for me as well it's because i remember i used to go into school after like season finales and i could just walk through the door and i'd nod at my friend and he'd nod back i knew exactly what he was thinking but like it's it's great and even when good tv goes bad it's you can laugh at you it. you can laugh at it and then you can talk to people and it's like you've got this joint experience of suffering through this thing together yeah because like it's step by step yeah it's step by step Because like doctor who we can now talk together about why it's terrible like yeah. this season of flash reese we can talk about why it's the worst thing ever like yeah, <laughs> like and <laughs> like walking it. dead which i know yeah. that like people dropped off i can now because i know they used to watch it i can keep them up to date with how terrible it is now oh, and man. it's like it becomes like an experience of like look where it's gone like i can tell people like yes there's a season this episode where the whole thing is carol makes a soup yeah season season 11 of doctor who i watched week week by week with my flatmates and week by week we became even more like this yeah what was it called just not distraught disheartened disengaged i watched season 12 alone and it was like i it it didn't it didn't feel the same because like i love after every single episode we sit there in silence for a little bit and a few of us are going, oh, it wasn't that bad. There was this bit. And by the end of an hour, we're going, that was crap, wasn't it? <laughs> you just discuss everything that happened per hour. You can't really do that with a film because you get the whole film and you get bits you like in the go. film, the bits you don't like in the Whereas, film. And although it's I like do... watch it, it's like I, I find I'm struggling with the Disney Plus show right now because they do feel like they got a continuous story, which is hard to like dissect them episode by episode. And but... as, as much as I do prefer film as a whole, you just can't deny the impact that a tv show can have especially if like everyone you know watches it there there is one thing that tv has to do in order for it to match film and that is to come up with an equivalent letterboxed for it yeah because then i think i'll fall in love properly with tv when i can tell everyone everything about it all the time i love tv as much (laughs) as i use tv time i can't say it's much good (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> good for one thing and that's telling oh, me when new episodes of Arrowverse are out because those things yay. release wildly <laughs> like oh what you're doing two yay. episodes of Superman and Lois in one day but Supergirl you're going to take three months off with no notice <laughs> well Rick and Morty's taking a little break after the next episode isn't it always does after about five or six episodes, isn't it <sighs> bloody Americans just do them all at once <laughs> just, have, just have a season it's not hard yeah <laughs> Anyway, season great. breaks our favorite thing <laughs> anyway we'll wrap this episode up here thanks for uh, jack, listening jack uh, sorry to sorry to cut you off but can you uh can you do the outro and the accent you did the intro in please i can't remember what oh, i did it's a oh, terrible what, cockney one all right governor it's time for us to say goodbye now yeah just do your best ray winston russian accent it'll do <laughs> Alright, everybody we're going to wrap up this episode here but in play i hope you nah. enjoyed we would talk about TV and stuff, I'm sure you know, because you just listen to it. <laughs> anyway, that's Barty from me, and from Mike. Boy from me. And from Reese. Thank you, Stuart Pierce, ex-England left-back. 
Ah, a reference no boys, we all man. understand on famous sports <laughs> podcast. Sorry, man. <Mets. laughs> Tuning out. <laughs>